morning, good afternoon, good night. Welcome to episode 136 of the Craft Heads podcast, the podcast about nothing but also everything where every episode is something different. I usually do it with my best friend of 22 years, Tommy, and tonight it is uh, January 8th. Happy, nope, not going to say that, it's too late into the new year, but I hope everybody's new year is off to a good start, and uh, Tara is here to join me for Movie Rundown number five, which is a series I love doing. We'll talk a little bit about that and dive right in after that, but um, thanks for helping me start off 2022 Tara with the first episode of Craft Heads. You're welcome. Tara and I usually do the movie rundowns where we will go through a list of, I mean, just depending on how many we've watched over the past several weeks or a couple months or whatever it is, but like I'll say in between 15 and 30 movies on average. And we go through, we, we'll tell you what the name of the movie is. We'll tell you what the year that it came out, the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, so critics and audience, the runtime of the movie. The rating, which we have four distinct ratings, must see, watch, skip, and must avoid at all costs. So those are the four ratings. Uh, most of the uh, movies will have in the watch or skip area, but if, if they're very, very, very strongly in one direction, we'll do those other two. And then sometimes a couple notes on, on individual movies in general, but... For those of you who are joining us for the first time, the hallmark of the Craft Heads podcast is we always have some sort of an alcoholic beverage of some kind, which is kind of funny because here in January 2022, Tara and I and our, our friend and, and uh, tenant, James, we're doing a quasi- Lessy. Let me think. Yeah. We would be the lesser, right? Lessor. Lender. Well, if you're going to go no, with lease. Lease. We're James's landlord. We'll follow up. Yeah, we'll follow up. <laughs> so uh, we are doing a quasi-dry January. And the way that I have come to distill down what I mean by that is no drinking at home for no reason, which is what we do usually every day. So I just wanted to take a chill pill after, you know, the holidays are always, uh, you do a lot of boozing with friends and family and everything else. So um and, and this includes like going out and stuff, but just no random drinking. But the one thing, dear listener, that I'm still making an exception for is for craft heads. So obviously we have to have a beverage. And this evening we have a red wine, a 2020 Cab Sauv, and it is called Life Vine. And it kind of stuck out to me at Publix because it's rooted in purity, zero sugar, blah, 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 uh, but certified pesticide-free part of the clean label project and like their whole claim to fame is like, this is very, very clean organic wine. And, um, actually I shouldn't say organic because I don't see the word organic on it, but it's pesticide. I care free. more about the fact that there aren't pesticides on, I care more about the fact that there aren't pesticides than the organic part at the moment. Yeah. I, I actually would, I would totally agree with you there. And you could and go down a whole rabbit hole about pesticides and, Definitely. You know, like, you know, like the, the fluoride thing that yeah. we've been doing. Yeah. And yeah. it's pretty funny because the ingredients, it, you don't ever see ingredients on a wine bottle. And this says organic grapes. So it is organic, turns out. Uh, yeast, yeast extract, and sulfur dioxide. So it's just like, all right, well, that's that's what's in this bottle, which is pretty cool. So cheers, Tara. To, uh, cheers. By the way, full disclosure, we've already uh, drunk about half the bottle g coming into the podcast. So... 
but it's quite good. I mean, it's it's I, nothing super special, and it was on sale. It was like two no, for twenty or whatever. Honestly, the one thing Publix. I would say, um, the taste felt. I don't want to say crisp. That's not that's not the tech. That's not the, the the feeling I got from it. It had a clean taste, a very smooth finish, and it tasted very much like like a like a grape, like a like. Like imagine, grape juice? Yeah, I was actually going to say, like, imagine paying a lot of money for a really fancy grape juice, and that's what it was. It just had alcohol in it. Well, that's also, a funny thing about... Go ahead. I was going to say, the, I pulled it up on my phone while we were while you were going. Lessee, or Lessee, I don't know how to pronounce it, is a noun, a person who holds the lease of a property, a tenant. There you go. So, yeah, James, he rents from us. He holds... He, he's a tenant. He pays rent. So he's a lessee or a lessee. Good let's job. Let's see. Let's see what she says. Let's see what lessee. she says. Lessee. Thank you for that. Pulse lessee, Final Fantasy 13. Um, <laughs> so on the topic of wine, though, all kidding aside, I still am just, I'm not at the point in my life, I definitely can appreciate a really good bottle of wine. Like I typically can tell the difference if somebody you know, share is a really fancy bottle with me or a special bottle or whatever. It's like, wow, this is really good. But I'm still not at the point in my life where I can buy fancy bottles of wine. And it, it just seems like a futile effort to me at this point, which is funny because I probably would have said the same thing about different spirits, you know, uh, eight years ago or something. But I have developed a palate, you know, especially for brown mm-hmm. stuff and tequila and mezcal. So it's like, I, I would, guess it practice makes perfect, I guess. But yeah, right now... I, and I would say your palate matured for like bourbon specifically. I, th- I feel like that's your go-to. And scotch is a new thing you're coming up on. For me, tequila was basically the first spirit that really matured for me because I, I don't know how you drink bourbon neat. That just is a lot for me. Well, like I said, practice makes perfect, but... I don't know what the price point is of it, but you talk about not being able to, at the moment, appreciate really expensive wines or like, you know, higher value wines and things like that. Buy it, them. Yeah. Buy them. I look at our Kirkland box of, of wine that is the equivalent of four bottles and we can buy that for what? 15 bucks. And it's environmentally friendly. It's environmentally friendly. Right it's on. in a, it's in a, it, yeah. So that's where I'm coming down to where I'm like, all right, well some, maybe someday if we have a really nice, like, yeah, wine like a wine refrigerator. Cellar. Yeah. Totally. Wine cellar, wine refrigerator, something of that sort. Definitely. Well, now that we've gotten our friendly banter out of the way on booze and wine and that you know the groundwork, if this is your first time joining us on the podcast or a movie rundown, uh, welcome. Uh, The last one that we did was number four on episode 132. So again, this is something that Tara and I can always do to sort of fill the gaps between episodes with Tommy and me or, or whomever. And a couple of fun facts. You will notice there are definitely several Nicolas Cage movies on this list who I have at this point in my life I have somewhat of a soft spot for because have you ever noticed how many movies Nicolas Cage is in just holy shit to your point on that I think I read and this is again many years ago I remember reading a statistic on the number of movies movies excuse me that Kevin Bacon was in and I remember you and I were talking about this, mm-hmm. and I was like, I wonder if Nicolas Cage is like encroaching on that number because Kevin Bacon is like 
Like I'm, he he's off on the deep end, and I think Nicholas Cage has surpassed him. I'm pretty sure he blows him out of the water at this point because anytime I look on any platform, I I've got the numbers. It, it's just insane how many movies Nicholas Cage appears in, and I'm like, you know, and, and they're new, they're brand new. We we've talked about them on a, on a couple of recent podcasts, like that crazy cosmic horror one, something about the. The sky and the color. Color out of space. Yeah, that movie was amazing. Yeah, but, that was um, awesome. I'll cup, I'll pack a ball. So this is Google, which means nothing because it's Google. But it, it, I just typed in how many movies has Nicolas Cage been in, and their answer, which is very vague, is at least one twenty. And then for Kevin Bacon, how many movies has Kevin Bacon been in? At least sixty two. So I don't know what that means, but it's very clear that. What, that I think to get every a quick answer like that, where there's double the number for Nicolas Cage, I think he's, regardless what the definitive number is, I think he's definitely, he, he might be holding the record now. Just check IMDb. IMDb? Just go on IMDb and type in the actor name and click on, it, there are tabs. So if Nicolas Cage directed movies, it'll show, you can click on directed, acted, produced, yada 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 supporting uh maybe he wanted to be a stagehand or something or you know whatever those people are that help with like prop setup and stuff like that so doing what you just mentioned we need like a third person like a producer i can shout to that used to be you but it used to be me yeah whenever you're on the movie you're important for the movie rundowns um so on IMDb, doing exactly what Tara just said, as an actor, Nicolas Cage, it says there's uh, 109. And for Kevin Bacon, it says 103. So I, I do think at the end of the day, whenever they cross the finish line, I think Nicolas Cage is going to have some some kind of a record. I mean, I maybe even one of the yeah. most of all time. I don't know who holds that record. Oh, definitely. And again, that's just IMDb. So like, if you look at the actor category, Kevin Bacon could be listed as an actor he could have appeared on screen for 20 seconds. So that's like a whole... Probably not that, with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I'm just... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that, that's like That's like Stan Lee making a cameo mm-hmm. in a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Like, So there's a whole other level of distillation and, and research you could do to figure out who's who. But yeah. yeah. And more uh, fun fact and, and trivia on Nicolas Cage. So, you know, this might not... Some people might already know this, and I, I feel like I've looked this up before when researching Nicolas Cage, and maybe I just forgot it because it looked vaguely familiar, but for anybody who doesn't know, he was he's actually a member of the Coppola family, like as in Francis Ford Coppola, the director of The Godfather, and he's he's Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. So it kind of makes sense that he's, you know, so big in show business and Hollywood and everything and just involved in so many different films. And uh, I, it's funny, you know, he's, he's known by and goes by Nicolas Cage, but his name is Nicolas Kim Coppola, and it reminds me of, um, you know, that a lot of Hollywood actors do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they either take a different surname or whatever, just something that's, I don't want to say catchier, but like more, you know, unique or memorable or, or what have you. Who knows what the reason is? And the, the example that my dad always told me about whenever I was a kid is Cary Grant, one of the, you know, legendary actors of like the mid um, 20th century his actual name was Archibald Leach. And I, I assume that Hollywood was like, that's not a good, that's not a marketable name. Whereas if you take this tall, dark and handsome guy and label him Cary Grant, that's going to make women swoon, which it did. I would say, um, 
way back when the thought of uh, someone's name being associated with a leech. Yeah. Pretty disgusting. Yeah, not good. Um, the other thing I was going to say, too, I don't want to make this all about Nicolas Cage. Nicolas um, Cage cast. Remember when we were in New Orleans walking around looking at all those old historic uh, cemeteries and whatnot and all the different mausoleums that were built above ground because you can't bury a body down there. It'll literally float to the surface and just rot and fester and it's just really gross. So he has a pyramid, like a miniature little pyramid built that he is going to be put in. His his remains will be interred inside of a pyramid in uh, New Orleans in one of those cemeteries. He's I, already paid for all of it, I think. First of all, I remember seeing that you know, his his future tomb <laughs> being prepared for him in New Orleans. And so cool. If you do a search for New Orleans on his Wikipedia page, a bunch of stuff pops up. But anyways, uh, Nicholas Cage cast, glad you guys enjoyed. Tune in next week. Uh, just kidding. You ready to start with the rundown, Tara? Yes. You so, might have you might have to give me some moments on some movies I might not recognize. Totally. You know, if there are movies I haven't seen that AKA Tommy has watched. Yep. Just say this is a movie Tommy watched. Well, I'm going to do that. Actually, that was the last thing before diving in. Uh, a little special thing we're doing this week is there were a few movies that I was really hoping to squeeze in uh, before this podcast. And there was just no feasible way for me to get to them really quickly, especially without uh, paying an arm and a leg. And uh, Dune is the only one that didn't make the list. We, you know, because Tara and I, we watched the original David Lynch one a um, couple months ago. Uh, I, I saw it years ago in college. I love it. So we're very excited to see the new one, hear very good things about it. But I'm going to start off with three movies um, from that Tommy watched, and uh, then we'll just go from there. And I'm also starting the, – the great majority of these ones are all 2021 movies, and then a couple within the past few years, and then one, one or two random older ones. So starting off with the first one that I got Tommy's uh, insight on. So I'm going to read exactly the text that he sent me. I told him the ratings and all that stuff, so – no Time to Die, which, of course, is the latest and greatest James Bond movie, allegedly the, the final Dan Craig one. 2021, uh, critics 83, audience 88, runtime 243. Definitely a long boy. I'm sure it's worth it because Daniel Craig is sex. Mm-hmm. Here's Tommy's uh, comments here. Daniel Craig's obvious last Bond film, and he does his, his thing. Very action-y with beautiful scenery per usual. Vesper Lynn really did a number on this guy since Casino Royale. Only gripes were uh, Ana de Armas was advertised as shit because she's beautiful, but she was only in the movie for like 10 to 15 minutes. So that would be frustrating. And the second thing is the ending seemed forced and weird. I don't remember other Bond actors' last movies being like that. So, yeah. That's I, I I'm not gonna even say anything else. I we haven't seen it yet. That's Tommy's opinion. But his recom his official rating was watch. Okay, so, I can see that. Yeah, a tangent off of Tommy's comments about endings. I feel like m- movies in like nowadays. I want to say like that, that's such an old timey way of phrasing time. Movies nowadays. I totally see what Tommy's getting. Because I feel like you and I have watched some newer movies recently, and it's it's almost like a 50-50 crapshoot of like, is the ending going to suck? Like, what's how are they going to wrap this movie up? Like, the whole buildup is great and great and wonderful, and it's almost like they need an extra hour to really figure out how they're going to wrap everything up. So that's kind of, 
I'm excited to watch the movie, but that's unfortunate. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I mean, the ratings look solid, and Tommy overall liked it, so looking forward to it. Um, next one, Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City. So, anybody who knows Tommy and me, uh, th- we're the biggest Resident Evil fanboys of all time. Like the 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 whole video game franchise, the trash movies, all that stuff. They rebooted it. There's a new movie, 2021. Critics 30, audience 66, runtime 147. Here are Tommy's comments. Uh, If you don't know, or I'm sorry. Well, actually, I'll start with the ratings. Skip if you don't know about Resident Evil lore. Must see if you do know about Resident Evil lore. They finally, in all caps, pay a lot of homage homage, whatever, whatever uh, floats your boat, to the video games, truly. Another typical zombie movie, elsewise that probably doesn't do anything unique the zombie makeup was really good thought it was subtle and very realistic so um he, he did mention that i, I think on the life hacks ep- our last episode you know just a, a quick mention about it and how like if you're the a video game fanboy of the resident evil franchise then you're gonna love this particular one as opposed to the other um other ones that really aren't they don't revolve around the video games uh precisely especially after the first two. So anyways, um, that's Resident Evil. Last one of Tommy's, Spider-Man No Way Home. So 2021, critics 93, audience 98, runtime 228. And this is going to come as no surprise to anybody, but Tommy said must see. And here are his comments. If you've been a fan of any Spider-Man movie ever made, watch this. Avoiding spoilers, they actually tie every single movie together, including the artsy animated Into the Spider-Verse film. Legitimate chemistry between Peter and MJ, uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya, who are a real-life couple, he just found that out, makes this aspect of the film good, too. Doctor Strange plays a pretty large role, too, and I love those films, as I know Alex does, too. So this film really has something for everyone. CGI is top-notch. You don't often hear somebody praising CGI, so it must be really good. Um, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm really oh looking forward God, to that because we watched the other two with Tom Holland, um, the the Into the Spider Verse. You know, we're, we're, we're totally uh, up to speed on all things Spider Man. So is Carnage on our list of oh, movies yeah. to talk about? Okay, yeah. maybe we can mention it there. But I, Tommy's comments about tying things together. Oh my gosh, I'm just so excited. Well, just not to confuse things, let's go ahead and. Um, We'll cover that next, actually. So Carnage was on the list. Uh, the the Venom sequel. It's Venom, Let There Be Carnage. 2021, 58 critics, 84 audience, 126 uh, runtime. So uh, I'll let you take the first one, Tara. What's your rating on it? And then we'll talk about it for a second. I'm going to pull a Tommy, and I'm going to say if you are a fan of that and you're following it, I would say watch it. If you have never seen Venom, don't care about any any of the the Spider-Man, Marvel, comic-y universe, I would definitely say skip. Um, I wouldn't say avoid because it was yeah. okay, but I would definitely say like you're either you're either on board with it or you're not. Keep going in that if you're already of. on the train. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. 
I will say, um, are we doing like opinions or no? Are we just doing like the rating? No, you you can do opinions, talk about it, just no like crazy spoilers okay. because that would ruin the point for everybody. I, I would say the the story, um, the original Venom movie, which Alex informed me, we recorded in 2018, November, so and it was th- ep- episode 34 for anybody th- who wants to listen. Over three years ago. Yeah, over three oh years, which I I don't know where my life has gone, but yeah, I know. Wow. Okay. So yeah, Venom was really awesome. If you, I would recommend if you want to break into it, start with Venom and Venom is done exquisitely. I really, I really enjoy the grittiness of it. You can see the grittiness in this movie as well, but, um, for me, the plot, I don't want to say plot holes, but it was, it was really like they only had like, okay, Hey guys, we have to do it in X amount of time. We've got to shove as much shit inside this as we can and um, I, I don't think there was really great explanation for for many things. Yeah, so that's just how I felt. And by the way, Woody Harrelson was in this. Who? That's another reason I was kind of disappointed because I, I'm a big Woody Harrelson fan, and Carnage. Full disclosure is literally my number one favorite of all time childhood villain. Like I was obsessed with Carnage. I literally went to sleep with a 12 inch plastic doll of him multiple times like i i fucking love carnage and i don't know how i wanted to see him on the big screen but this wasn't it it's weird yeah i will say so um and obviously this isn't really isn't really a spoiler because carnage is is red themed but when you watch venom and you see how like he's all symbiote and he's got his like weird material and stuff Carnage in this movie was fleshy, mm-hmm. it, really fleshy, and I was... He was made out of penis. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, it was just like, it was more of like gore, not gore, but like flesh gore type stuff. And it's I was one just, of those things that's weird to translate. Yeah, yeah. and I was just like, I, I was really unsettled the whole movie, but I also was expecting a lot more. And again, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I don't know. There were just some things that kind of left me wanting more from Carnage. Yeah. As a so whole. so I think Woody Harrelson was cast perfectly as Cletus Cassidy. So oh, I, yeah. like if if you knew him from the comics and everything, I I just think that he like physically and you know the way he looks and talked and acted like he he nailed that part of it. But overall it it's just kind of a weird movie and it's crazy cuz uh as of now, I I checked tonight, uh January 8th Venom has a 30 critics, 81 audience, which means it's lower in both categories on Rotten Tomatoes. And I just think Ven- the original Venom movie was, it was fresh. It was really, it was just very cool and new at the time. And I think the novelty wore off in a sequel. I'm not even necessarily blaming Carnage or like the way that he was portrayed. It's just like, Venom would have been a really cool one and done thing. I feel like, of course, I feel that way about a lot of media. Did I hear you correctly? And that you just said Carnage's critic scores are now higher currently than the current Venom scores. Yes, both. I don't understand Neither do that I. at no, it's all. Insane. And I think that is money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Probably. I think that's money to force people to watch it so that they can recoup costs of production. Probably. I, I don't think that's accurate at all. No, but I mean, that's, you know, this is all subjective. It's just what it's two true. people think. But um, moving on so we don't take too, too long. Um, 
another huge sequel, Matrix Resurrections. So I had, amazingly, Tara had never seen all of them. So I, I don't know, probably a year ago, we watched the first and second one again. Or, you know, I did again and introduced Tara to them. And then we just, I saw that Resurrections was on HBO Max. It still is through most of January, maybe like up through the the second to last week, something like that. And uh, 2021, of course, critics 64, audience 63, runtime 228. It was nice because we watched Revolutions, right? Right before. So whenever we were visiting our families uh, up in PA for the holidays, we watched that with my my uh, my dad and mom and then immediately flew back home and watched Resurrection. So it was all very fresh in our mind, like what had just happened. Which, by the way, I think Revolutions gets slightly unduly shit on it's definitely the weakest of the three of the original trilogy but i still think it's a good movie and uh it's cool like a lot of the machine shit the only thing that i hate about revolutions is it ends very abruptly like out of nowhere in my opinion but anyways we you know we had this the very fresh last movie uh there ready ready to go in our mind for this and um by the way i really enjoyed how our uh, uh, friend and listener, Paul, he referred to it as the reboot quote, which is definitely accurate. So I don't want to reveal any spoilers, but I will just say that the movie itself is very self-referential. There is another word that I hate that I could use to describe that, and I'm not going to because the very word pisses me off, and Facebook renamed themselves to it. And... The way the f- the first hour of the movie goes, I honestly was enthralled. I remember pausing it and like looking at Tara and saying, mm-hmm. I love this movie so far. I can't believe how well we're doing. I'm surprised I haven't heard more good things about it. Let's see what happens. I will say this. So when we talk about our little, our four rating, this is another one like uh, Carnage. If you're into the Matrix... I would say watch it. Mm-hmm. If you're not, don't just start with this. That actually, that doesn't make sense at all for you to start with a fourth movie at all. So, if you're interested in the Matrix, watch it from the first. And I would, I would also include this one as well. If you've seen the Matrix, I would say watch it. I would say that the movie starts off really strong. Is it a spoiler to say that they break the fourth wall? Is that what you meant by self-referential? Yeah, but let's leave it at that because okay. there's going to be a lot of people who haven't seen that. I would say that the movie starts off very strongly and um, it's strong all the way, like I would say at least like the first third of the movie. Like I don't know the, like, the exact runtime and, and whatnot. And then you can, there's, a, there's a very abrupt change in the movie where it starts going more downhill for the viewer. Yeah. In their enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt. So So I agree. Um, Friend and listener, Paul, he gave it a six out of 10, which I told him that was funny because I, that's exactly what I was going to rate it as. And it started off much higher than that. And, you know, until it kept going and I finished the movie. And I also think that aligns, even though I realize that's not how the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes work with it being a 64, 63, you know, one might equate that to a six out of 10. So it, 
it definitely leaves something to be desired. There will there will probably be more, which is annoying. Um, and, and that plays into that self-referential part of the plot mm-hmm. that I was talking about. But uh, I will say this. As a franchise, must, must see. Like, you, you have to watch The Matrix. The first movie is one of the most important and coolest movies of all time. And it's like, you might as well see it through to its finish, regardless of what they do to it. But by the way, this is only one of the Wachowskis. So this is the first Matrix that was not uh, a collaboration between the two of them. So that could have had something to do with it. Yeah, I I recently saw, um, you know, someone was obviously critiquing the movie. And they said maybe they should have had both brothers. Mm -hmm. Or sisters? People? Individuals. They should have had both individuals... um, in the movie instead of just one. Yep. And the other thing that I would say to your point about must watch or like, you know, everyone should see it. I think even if the genre of the matrix is not your cup of tea, um, I think it is a good exercise in critical thinking development for everybody to really like think about like the reality of what is going on and to, not always be a conspiracy theorist, but to have a healthy questioning of everything that's going on and to take evidence at face value and disseminate that and do with it what you will. Beautifully said. I agree with that a hundred percent. I have no need to expound further upon that. Um, there is one more movie that we'll probably talk a little bit more in depth about because these were all like really big heavy hitters in the beginning and then we can fly through the rest of them. But, um, there, there was one movie I almost considered like doing a more in-depth podcast about just because it's there's a lot to unpack, but you've probably heard about Don't Look Up. So 2021, uh, 55 critics, 78 audience, 218 runtime. Huge ensemble cast. I'm not even going to read all of the names. I'm not leaving anybody out intentionally because there are so many big names. I am, suffice to say, uh, I'll just mention Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, and I have to to mention Jonah Hill because, holy shit, I have come to really appreciate him as an actor. Uh, He's absolutely hilarious. Um, And his his character reminds me of his character in uh, Wolf of Wall Street. And his, he has two lines that before we wrap this movie up, I have to drop just because, my God, I was like in stitches over them. But um, it's funny because I watched this sort of on a whim. Whenever I read the little description on Netflix and I saw that it was new, I was like, oh, this is right up my alley. And I'm trying to get better about if I see something that looks interesting on Netflix instead of scrolling for 40 minutes and then watching it anyways, I just immediately dive in and save myself some time. That's what we did. 10 minutes in, I knew it was about climate change. And I'm not saying this like a smarty pants. Um, I was watching it with my mom and dad, and, and Tara was there too, and I don't think anybody really caught on to that. And then we might have paused and talked about something like halfway through, something like that. And I was like, you guys realize this is just a really, really heavy-handed, on-the-nose metaphor for climate change. I thought it was a metaphor for uh, covid no, initially, and, and yeah. then when you said climate change, it um, it made sense. It, it felt like a like a horse getting the blinders taken off. Yeah, and I was like, oh, duh. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Actually, and actually, I'm actually I'm glad you told me when you did because um, it helped me appreciate the movie even more. And um, 
I would say for my rating, before we dive into any opinion, must see, must watch. Oh, I agree. I it's, agree it's 100%. It's a must watch because obviously it's great to see an ensemble cast work together. I mean, Meryl Streep is in it. There's a, there's a bunch of other people too. It's awesome. Um, and I think the way that those seasoned actors use their talents to deliver the messages in this movie, and it's not just about climate change. It's about a lot of issues oh, yeah. Thank you. that are irritating. Social media is a perfect example. It's about how fucked up our society yeah, is. Yeah. And like just social media and like dissociation from like what's really important and, and like, Oh, you got to get likes and Oh my God, my selfie, like, Oh, stupid shit like that. So the movie really tackles a lot of independent issues, ties them together beautifully, makes fun of the political system in America, how it's just so stupid as well. Like both sides, like the whole, the whole thing is just shot. And I don't know, by the end of it, I was just like, I I was just really blown away by how they did that. And I thought that it was, um, I don't know. It was unique. It was very unique. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I find uh, Hollywood elitists to be infuriating. I mean, I think they're all total hypocrites because, like, I do what I can from an environmental standpoint. You know, I, I don't use K-cups. I don't, I, I eliminate as much plastic as I can, disposable plastic as mm-hmm. I can in my life. I filter all my water, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I recycle aluminum. I, I really do what I can as an individual. These are individuals who actually have an immense amount of money, power, clout, and resources. And I'm not going to go down that whole rabbit hole, but, uh, you know, and then they just try to make like the average Joe feel like shit. But anyways, um, great movie. And it definitely led to some interesting conversation with my, my parents and just leave it at that. And I think it's important to remember that in, you know, certain matters, it's, it's good to, to look to uh, the experts and stuff. And I, it's good not to have like a super, super strong uh, heels dug in opinion on anything if you really don't know anything about it. It's, I, it, it's best to consult, you know, experts and, and, and listen, listen to everybody. Every, you should be able to have open discourse with everybody, regardless I, of whether you like what they say or not. Yeah, I would say two, two personality traits that I could, if, I, if we ever have children, um, I hope that they would be understanding individuals and that they don't listen for someone to end a sentence that they are actually hearing what that person's saying. Yeah. And in, in, in hearing information that is being said to them. And then, you know, obviously the critical thinking schools that come after that so they can take, you know, whatever they've been told and kind of do their own research as well. But I mean, having an open mind and being a conscientious listener is, yeah. is a very important thing that I think is lacking in a lot of people I agree. in society. And, um, I, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much more about it. Just, I really think it's worth your time to watch this movie helps you see things in a different light. Uh, and it feels like a giant South park episode, honestly, because Live they, cru- they crucify everybody and everything. That's what oh, I like. Yeah. That was the one, honestly, you know, I was they, so surprised. They they basically they're also satirizing the, the Trump administration. Well, they bend over and rape big tech, which I think is maybe the biggest biggest threat to our entire 
world. <laughs> so like, oh, I love seeing that. Another thing too, like, like Facebook and Google and Apple. Yeah. Example. When we started the movie and I don't know what synapse fired that made me think of it at the beginning of the movie on Netflix, usually it throws up whatever the rating is. And then it has these tags like, you know, uh, violence, drug use, blah. This movie had graphic nudity <laughs> listed and the whole movie, I was like, at the start, like, I was just like, oh my God, I, I just had this dread feeling. Cause I, I don't know, like I had just had this, you know, horrible feeling about like, you know, seeing like shitloads of naked people. And I'm like, oh God, graphic nudity is there, but not in the sense that you're thinking, because as soon as it happened, it was, it was kind of like a funny ish scenario. And yeah, wait until after so, the credits. Yeah, wait until after yeah. the credits. Make yeah, that clear definitely. for everybody. So wrapping that up, great movie. Um, I also had a weird revelation. We're getting really deep on this one, and that's okay because we were due for some content. So it's all right if it goes a little longer. But um, I had a revelation during that movie. I think the idea of a single president is insane. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. I, it's just something that came to me, and I think it's an insane thing that one person can run any one country. And I know uh, about, you know, the different branches of government. You have executive, judicial, and, and legislature. But, like, and, and that's supposed to be sort of like a triumvirate of sorts. But it's it's insane having yeah, one person in charge. I would also say the other insane thing is the fact that the president's term limits are so short, but the rest of the term limits are, like, unlimited, yeah. Basically, well, like, no, not not unlimited. not unlimited, but they're 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 much longer, and it's like, oh my god, yeah. Let's like, not, no wonder nothing changes. Let's not so, get yeah. into that whole okay. uh, can of worms, but uh, <laughs> that's a, that's crazy. a whole different episode we could have. But uh, the Jonah Hill quotes I said I would end with. Oh my god! <laughs> when you guys watch this, just watch out for the lines. Uh, I timed this shit perfect, and um, oh, buck forty trilly. Just holy shit! Oh, it just had me in stitches. Insane. So we spent a lot of time on that one, but that's that's really an important movie. I think that it, it would benefit everybody to see. Um, now we can start going faster. Ready? Here we go. Um, old M Night Shyamalan, uh, 2021, 50 critics, 53 audience, 148 runtime. I love M Night Shyamalan movies. Um, for the most part, he has a couple of really bad stinkers. I've talked about that before, like The Happening and kind of want to rewatch Devil. It's been a long time, but Signs is one of my all-time favorite movies. Old is basically, you can see it in the trailer. It's not a spoiler. People are like rapidly aging on a beach and are trying to figure out a way off and what's going on. That's basically the gist of it. I won't spoil anything else. I think it's a, like a strong watch for me. I think it was very worth watching. It was really yeah. interesting and, and cool. Yeah, definitely a watch. Any other comments? And you don't have to because that'll save us time. Um... Fucked up shit happens, but not in the sense that you think. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what I you're saying. I would say like, it's not like a like a it's not a gory fucked up thing. Mm -mm. There are some weird things that happen. In, very M Night Shyamalan. -y. Yeah, and you watch it, you're like, oh Jesus, okay, here we go, we're doing this. That's a new right. adjective for you. Definitely a watch for us. Um, Intrusion, 2021, 23 critics, 69 audience, 132 runtime intrusion was uh the one like in that fancy house in the middle of nowhere and it was like a a couple 
that was sort of trying to like repair their marriage. Do you remember that one movie we watched with Jaime on the last last podcast? Yeah. Uh, Aftermath. It was really similar to that. Uh, oh my god. Okay. I remember this movie. Oh my gosh, it was so freaking uh, weird. Yeah, watch. Watch? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, like if you're I, someone who... Yeah. I enjoy if, a good thriller. Yeah, if you're someone like Alex and I, and you enjoy like a thriller, and you want to, like... I don't know. This is going to sound insane, like a robot. Like, if you want to feel emotion, like... I don't know, like if like if you're bored and you want to watch something that like makes you think a little bit and like get your heart beating a little faster, Heartbeat elevated. Yeah, like this is definitely a perfect thriller for that. Here's here's what I'll say. It was, in my opinion, very similar to that aftermath movie that we talked about on the last rundown. Yes, and, I like this one. And more. here's the I know you did. And here's the kicker: it, with it being an hour and a half, I would call it a watch. If it was two hours, I would call it a skip. Mm-hmm. So you know how I feel about time. Yeah. Um, next one, the guilty. So we went through a period where we were like on a Jake, Dill- uh, wow. Jake Gyllenhaal kick. Um, 2021, 74 critics, 47 audience, 131 runtime. It's already in favor of a good runtime. Um, also important note, director is Antoine Fuqua, who is the director of training day and training day is one of my favorite movies. One of Denzel's best. And it definitely bleeds over into this movie. A lot of it, it's like a uh, a police drama. I'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is like a, a nine one one responder. You know, fielding calls and talking to people and whatnot. And there are moral quandaries that follow. Yeah, I would say he is a police officer who is going through an event, and he has been assained to nine one one response calls. Yeah. And so then there's a, there's a lot of that it um like that plot is in play in the movie. I also remember thinking it was a little on the nose. Yeah. With the events of summer 2020 and George Floyd, but that's okay for current events to influence media. That's very common and everything. It's just like yeah. some sometimes when you get a lot of different kind of media all influenced by one thing and it feels like you're getting a lot of the same thing for no other reason than just oversaturation, it mm-hmm. seems like a lot. But that was at the time when I was watching it, when this was several, well, you know, a few months ago, at this point, two, three months ago. This movie? Yeah. We were at Jake and Kelly's. When did it come out? Because I think this movie was filmed during the pandemic. Yeah, it came out in 2021. We watched it a couple months ago at Jake and Kelly's. Yeah, but I meant like with more like strict protocols in place because I probably think the majority of the movie takes place in that 911 call center and it's, I thought it's like phone booth yeah and I thought that, that, that was very interesting because it's not boring when you're watching the movie Mm-mm. and I, you're gonna hear me say oh yeah it takes place in one that's kind of stupid I don't want to watch that but it was very riveting the, the whole movie um and I thought that that was a symptom of covid which I think they handled perfectly. Yeah, I, I think it was a relatively low budget movie for that reason. Yeah, they were like in a room. Cool. There were some random people all yeah. about, spaced out and stuff. Yep. So that's so. cool. I, I I think it's a watch. It's, oh yeah, especially definitely a watch. considering it's ninety minutes and it's um, it you know deals with a lot of interesting moral in- issues and quandaries for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the power of the dog. Twenty twenty one, ninety five critics, eighty two audience, two hours eight minutes runtime. We may or may not have been under the influence during this movie. 
It was very long. Nothing happened. It is criminally overrated. Benedict Cumberbatch, it had the kid that looked like John. It, it, it was an LGBT movie. Oh, my God. It, <laughs> oh, my God. And it, here's all I'm going to say without getting inflammatory. It is rated that well because it's LGBTQ, and that bothers me because that has nothing to do with the like okay. the quality of the movie. I have... Okay, so I don't really... It, it was okay at best. I would say my gripe with the movie is... If you look at the sequence of events and the plot, there is so much stuff. I literally felt like these people were just bored and they were just doing things that they felt like they just wanted to do and and put on screen. And then they just were like, oh, this is the movie. I don't know. When, like when by you, the end of it, when you see what happens, I was like, that's so straightforward and simple. Oh my God. Like, why did it take over two hours of my time for you to tell me that story? It didn't it didn't have to take that long. I remember I remember <laughs> like an hour, an hour into the movie, the main character oh. was named. I, I, you know, somebody mentioned his name on screen. And Jake was like, wait, who's so-and-so? And I was like, it's the main character. It was near the end. I, I mean, it truly, it, it can just, it's a big snore. And it's the epitome yeah. of the word artsy in a bad connotation. Just like. Yeah, I'd say skip. Yeah, exactly. That, that's where I land on it. Skip. I, I didn't like the movie, not because of the subject Honestly. content. I don't. That's totally fine with me. I just think the movie sucked. I'll challenge you if you're ever considering watching that movie have a brain checkpoint right now of me telling you to go pursue a different hobby and invest two hours of your time into a hobby of yours that you've yeah. always wanted to pursue instead of watching this this waste of time. Or do literally Or literally else. lay on your couch and stare at the ceiling. Yeah, it's probably a better use of time and reflection. Yeah. It, it sounds like we're saying must avoid, and I'm not even saying that because maybe some people... This is not like a an objectively horrible movie like no. Cosmic Sin. This is the this type is of movie... Just, it was skippable. This is the type of movie that would be on in the background in a uh, like a random establishment, public establishment, where nothing's really happening. There's cowboys, yeah. kind of, in the West. It just has nice scenery. Nice scenery, some nice music, but nothing's really, yeah, so yeah. That's, was, that's my two cents. Uh, the, you know, the from the powerhouse uh, critic that Craft Heads podcast is, it was nothing. Um Night Teeth, 2021, 39 critics, 47 audience, 147 runtime. This took me so long to finish. You didn't see this. It was like the weird vampire movie that I watched at, at your parents, like on my phone and oh, no. with your with the weird internet and everything. Um, I was quasi interested in it. It's this kid who's like a driver and he's filling in for his brother. Oh, and I then these people wind up it. being vampires and shit. And I was... I was like, oh, you know, whatever, it's new. I'll take a look at it because that vampire shit's cool. And I remember the second time I booted it up, because, again, I broke it up into pieces, I remember seeing, like, teen, scary, and I was like, oh, shit, what have I got myself into? And it was cheesy and dumb, and it's a skip. That's bottom line. It's it's Oof. it's a shit vampire movie. Um, Don't look up, we covered. Okay, here's a sleeper for you, in my opinion. The Virtuoso. 2021, 19 critics, 27 audience, 150 runtime. Shit-ass reviews, fairly long movie. I was deeply engrossed in this one, so you didn't watch this one either. Oh, okay. He's an assassin. 
Remember, he was like bumping around at be bopping around at motels and a cafe and, and a diner and stuff. Oh, like. yeah. Yep. I, I saw snippets and then I saw like it's a hitman completing an assignment. And, you know, he's very by the book. Anthony Hopkins is randomly in it. He's like the hitman's handler. I'm just going to say, listener, you most likely know my taste in movies and how well we do or don't jive there. I was very into this movie and I, I highly recommend it. Um, I'm going to say watch. I'm not going to go as strongly as must see. It's it's a strong watch for me, though. When you said sleeper, I thought you were going to go a different direction. So you mean sleeper as in it was good, mm-hmm. like un, like unknowingly good. Yeah, like some people sleep on it. Not that I fell asleep okay. during it. Um, Reminiscence, 2021, 37 critics, 37 audience. Shit reviews, wow. 156 runtime. You did not watch this. It was on a Southwest flight, Hugh Jackman, and basically it's in the future, also a subtle climate change movie, because I think, if I recall, they're like, they're in a coastal city, maybe Miami, and like half of it's underwater, and it's kind of like a Venice, basically, mm-hmm. nowadays, and you people have the ability to go back and and experience very in a very real way uh, old memories. And you can like solve, you know, obviously there's all kinds of applications for that, solving crimes, making love to somebody, whatever. And it's like very, very, very real. Um, it was too long, but I liked it. And I can remember it kind of resonating with me, like on a, on a deep level, you know, thinking about my relationship with you and everything and just Aww. really thinking about things that are important to you and things that matter. And uh, I would say it's a watch. That That's my personal recommendation on it. I know you can't weigh in on that. Um, here we go. Actually, should we do the Nick Cage movies now? I have Yeah. What, I, what I, did you have next in line? I said 2021. So we're wrapping up the 2021 movies here. Um, Pig. Oh, my God. Now, here, here's a funny thing that's kind of like the opposite of what just happened. You're going to think I'm insane. 2021. Ratings. Uh, critics, 97. Audience, 84. Runtime, 132. Go. Must watch. Must watch? Must watch. Okay. Absolutely. Must see. Must see. (laughs) Absolutely blew my socks off. (laughs) Alex is covering his face. Like blowing your socks off? I was watching this movie, and everything that was happening was perfect. I loved the movie. It was... I don't know how to describe it. It was so perfectly done and so... Interesting. I don't know. It's a weird window into probably a lot more of how like the really elitist restaurant scene is like, frankly. And behind but the scenes. It basically a, 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 a guy gets his prized truffle pig stolen and he goes out on this mission to retrieve the stolen truffle hog. And he's like a hermit in the woods, which is very relatable to me nowadays. So I get it. I've really enjoyed the movie. I, I would say it's a watch only because I try and reserve my must-sees for like a very wide audience. But I get it. It's It was a really cool movie, by the way. Bonus points for being 132. I do think it's, I don't want to say grossly overrated, but 97.84 is just 
really high. You got to think about the type of people on ninety. The ninety seven side is critics. Sarah. Those yeah. are the types of people yeah. that go to and that were talking about this movie. Truffle on their balls. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. They just dip them in a vat of. You are oil. correct. So, um, I love this movie. It I was absolutely. It was, it was a cool movie. The, just the whole thing. Oh, I will say this movie was a perfect movie for the word game that Alex, yes. you mentioned this before, yes, right? I to them. It, yes. Yeah. So the word game, have you told them about the new yeah, we, we additional rules last, and objects? One. Yeah. This is a perfect movie for that. Think crazy, weird things. Yep. Um, oh, and it. the last comment I have, I, I do have a note for that movie. Weirdly, you and I came across, I kept, there. there is a song that is playing in the Big Lebowski whenever they go in to talk to um, actual Lebowski. And he's like by the fireplace and there's a classical music playing and it's very somber and they play it a lot in different media. And out of nowhere in the past week, we heard it three times. It was in carnage. Then it was in an episode of hair Arnold, which Tara and I are watching from start to finish because mm-hmm. Tara never watched the whole show as a kid. And then we heard it in this movie in pig. So I was like, okay, this is just so weird. I mean, hearing it three times in that short of amount of uh, uh, time. And I looked it up, and it's Requiem in D minor, and it's a Mozart composition. It's it's one of the pieces. It's huge. You can like look it up on Spotify, but it's uh, one of the segments of that. And uh, you'd recognize it if you heard it. But it was just really weird hearing that same thing over and over again in such a short yeah, period of time. Yeah, it's a sign. Definitely. Uh, Willie's Wonderland, another Nicolas Cage. We just finished that tonight. 2021, 61 critics, 68 audience, 128 runtime. This is, we're going to have a huge discrepancy here. Uh, Basically, I'm just going to say it's Five Nights at Freddy's. That's basically what it is. Um, I'm saying skip it worst, watch it best. Tara was... A little wacky earlier, something about a top ten. I love that movie. Uh, you're pig, out of your mind. Pig, <laughs> pig, and Willie's Wonderland. I think pig was better for sure. I liked them both almost equally for different reasons. Yeah, I I think you just like weird Nicolas Cage movies. Yeah, which is also fair. I also I also told you um, that 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 movie Willie's Wonderland. The whole sequence of it and the absurdity of it reminds me of dreams that I have sometimes. And not specifically I mean, that I movie. I can relate to that. But like just just the absurdity and like how everything kind of is put together. It was very odd and I loved it. I thought the whole movie was incredible. Well, speaking of absurd, we watched a short film. Oh my God. And there's a bunch on Hulu. And I kind of want to dive into these, but there was one called The Hug. And the picture was horrifying. It is, in fact, one of those animatronic machines from like a Chuck E. Cheese kind of place, you know. And um, I, I, it was so similar to Willy's Wonderland that I looked up, you know, I spent all of, what, 60 seconds trying to find a, a, a connection on, on Google, and I couldn't. But it's 2018. It's five minutes long, and there's no Rotten Tomatoes. So I looked it up on IMDb. And it has a 6.2 out of 10. This is a five-minute movie, folks, so who gives a shit? Um, Watch it because it's five minutes. It was funny, and I love the idea of short films. I don't know. It's just... 
I remember. I, I, I like the the idea of a bunch more of those popping up. I remember a time when going to the movies was more of a thing for me. And I, I would say especially like Disney movies, I want to say, had these. But they had little short films at the beginning of their movies. Oh, totally. Well, like the animated stuff. Like I, like I feel like if you went and saw Nemo, in I know you're film, in theaters at the beginning of the movie. There's like a, a two minute clip of a chameleon or something. Like I don't know why that stands out to me. Well, um, also I don't want them to be littered all over. Like if you boot up Netflix, you don't know. I, I already can't stand how half the time something looks interesting, and of course it's another fucking TV show. So. Don't clutter that up. Like, have its own. It should. There should be a section for it. But I, I like the idea of just doing weird little five to ten. Um, yeah. Short short stories, basically. Like if Netflix had like a way to disseminate. I think they do with TV shows and series. TV like series. Yeah. Episode. Probably. I don't know. Probably. They do movies and they do the different genres of movies. They could also do a movie genre and they could just call it short films. Yeah. Exactly. A uh, few left here. Wind River. Uh, I know you'll remember it. 2017, mm-hmm. 87 critics, 90 audience, 151 runtime. There were like tweakers. In, yeah, I remember. I'd in, say in watch Native American territory and all that stuff. And uh, they were there was was there a murderer or something? I don't know. I, oh yeah, yeah. So this takes this place place out west, and uh, it's on a reservation, and it's about. Um, Nicholas Cage, by the way, right? No. No, that was the other one. That's the other one. So <laughs> this one's about women who go missing. And um, there are some rough parts of the movie, I would say, from a woman's perspective. I mean, that's a whole other rabbit hole, but I won't go into. Um, but I would say watch. Um, I thought it was very well done. Uh, Jeremy Renner is in it. That's he's right. The main, he's the main dude. Good ending. Yeah, Good there was a very satisfying ending um, after you have to emotionally sh- uh, trudge through the events. Yeah, um, I would say, but I would say, I would say, watch. It's a long movie for what it is, but I agree. Watch. Yeah, it was cool. Yep. Um, and and some cool like Native American stuff in it mm-hmm. too. It, like, I mean, they have. It's really weird when you remember they have their own sovereign little nations essentially yeah and there's a lot of stuff that and, and, se- and legal systems and, and everything else so yeah. um that that was a cool aspect of it um the mummy 2017 16 critics 35 audience 147 runtime i watched this on the airplane tara didn't see it uh this has tom cruise so obviously it's a reboot uh, randomly Russell Crowe is in it with a fun role just in case anybody watches it I don't want to spoil anything but um, I'll say it's not contained to just the mummy and what I mean by that is it turns out apparently they were trying to do this thing called like the dark universe in quotes sort of like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and create this own their own thing of um, all of the monsters and like really iconic characters from uni- like from universal pictures classic monsters from like the 1930s to 1950s so think mummy dracula frankenstein werewolf that kind of a thing Invis- invisible man which by the way um well let me finish my thought on the mummy so the movie stunk i mean i didn't like hate it but it's utterly skippable so i would say a total skip and that whole 
dark universe thing just sort of fizzled and everybody was like, wow, we fucked this up and nobody's going to care about this. But then Invisible Man 2020 came out with Elizabeth Moss, a.k.a. Peggy from Mad Men, and it's rated very well, actually. And I think it kind of revitalized that whole idea of the dark universe. So I don't know. If, if they do it well, that could be a cool thing to sort of get on board with and, and see where they take that. But I uh, Yeah, that would be interesting. I think on our next movie rundown, uh, we'll have watched Invisible Man. I was thinking about watching it before this one, but it cost money and I didn't feel like paying for it. Frozen Ground. This is the last three. Frozen Ground, 2013, 61 critics, 50 audience, 145 runtime. This is the one that is very similar in a way to Wind River in a cold, barren wasteland. This one takes place in Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicholas Cage, 50 Cent, yep. again, which was hilarious. Missing Women again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh my God, yeah, 50 Cent. Now now that I'm remembering the movie. Hair. It was oh my great. God, so, yeah. It, I'd say watch. It was, I don't, did you even watch the whole thing? I yeah. can't remember. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a good movie. Yeah, I, I would say watch um, um, for sure. It was, it was really interesting because um, like, not unlike Wind River, there are statistics in those different areas. Like there, there are statistics with missing women um, in the Native American population in Alaska, for example. I think um, at least one in ten women have are a victim of some kind of a domestic abuse or abuse of some sort, just because of you know the nature of what's going on. So it, it's a very interesting insight into those kind of areas of the world, geographic. So I would say watch. Totally. I agree. Uh, last two, Lovely Bones. So, oh, yeah. and here's a funny story. I hope you're all enjoying the episode image. So as we are recording this now, it hasn't been taken yet, but I had this brilliant idea to do a side-by-side image of me and Stanley Tucci in this movie because I I went to Costco the other day. Did I talk about this on the podcast already? I can't remember. Uh, but the cashier was like, have you ever seen The Lovely Bones? And I said, no. And she was like, you look exactly like the guy from that movie. I was like, oh, okay, I'll have to watch it now. And sure enough, uh, I (laughs) I joke about looking like a serial killer, and, well, I really look like him in this movie. So um, 2009, 32 critics, 52 audience, 216 runtime. It's pretty long. That's Mm -hmm. the one thing I had going against it. Um, but I like the cast. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is in it as well. Um, no other like huge people. Susan I, I, Sarandon. Yeah, yeah, that's she's pretty big. Oh, she was the grandmother. Yeah, I'm trying to think. No, she wasn't in um, that. Uh, don't look up. I was thinking Rick and Morty, honestly. Mm. And um, overall, it, it was pretty unique, and it was directed by Peter Jackson, which is that was kind of crazy to me. Uh, but it kind of shows whenever, whenever I watch the movie and, you know, there's, there's a good bit of CGI and stuff. So it was interesting. I think it's a watch. It's a cool movie. It's, it's kind of like touching in a way and it didn't end quite the way I thought it was going to, but I kind of liked the message overall. It, it was kind of like an everything happens for a reason movie, although very sad when you come right down to it. Yeah. And I would say a comment on the CGI. So I recommended this movie to Alex cause I, ha- I have seen it and I, had seen it previously, like closer to when it had originally came out. And, uh, it did, it came out in 2009. So you talk about the CGI, um, that, I mean, oh my God, that's over a decade ago. So, I mean, think about all the leaps and bounds technology has gone, gone through, um, since then. 
but I thought it was an interesting take on, um, I don't know, death, things that happen. Yeah. Like I, I just thought the whole movie, the eternal um, fitness of things. Yeah, but I, I liked the the main character, the the girl. I liked seeing her side of it. With, I guess she's basically like you know functioning inside of purgatory, basically. And then you see like the real life family, like on Earth, like they're they're struggling through their loss. So I thought the juxtaposition of both of those viewpoints was very interesting and also very touching. And yep. I mean, like if you're, if you're ever struggling with like, you know, the loss of a loved one or, you know, whatever, I thought it was, I thought it was a nice perspective, um, check for myself, you know, thinking about things like that. Um, and it kind of puts like a more heartfelt, warm, fuzzy feeling around it instead of cold. Yeah. And, and hopefully nothingness, you know, most people don't have to deal with the loss of a loved one through murder, but you know, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still agree with everything that you're saying. And the last one is River's Edge, which was all, we're going way back now, 1987. Critics 88, audience 76, runtime 138. This was the early Keanu Reeves mm-hmm. movie. Friend and listener Paul recommended it to us in the movie recommendations channel in the CHP Discord. And uh, it was he, he mentioned that it was kind of fucked, which... It totally was. It was really, really weird. And I was thinking to myself, like, would people actually do this and act this callously? Like, basically, there's a a dead body by a riverbank that they just keep going back to visit and kind of act like it's no big deal. It's really, really weird. Honestly. Another hilarious Dennis Hopper role, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I was, I was like mulling this about in my head while I was watching the movie. And while I would say callous for going back and like, you know, like, oh my God, like no one's doing anything about it. They're just going and I don't want to say gawking, but they're going to look at it. They were gawking. And like, to me, I don't know. I, I, I honestly came to the conclusion that yes, it is callous, but it could be a shock response that a human is experiencing because they have never seen a dead body before and they don't know what to do. Yeah, maybe their, their brain is literally poof, short well, circuit, I do, I and they just don't know what to do. So the they act part, like it's not real and it's just there. The only part that was not realistic to me is I feel like you'd immediately call the police. You know what I mean? Like that's what anybody would yeah, or should I'm do. I'm trying to put myself in a situation. That's what I would do mentally. If yeah. I was walking along and I stumbled upon what I thought was a dead body in the, in exposed to the elements, no clothing, nothing. I would like turn in the other direction and call the police and, and, and yeah, get to a place to call the police. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't think I'd walk up to it. Yeah. The whole thing's insane. The person in the movie is also a friend. So there's that element to it. I, I don't know. The whole thing is just weird. Strange, strange, funny movie. Strange. It's, I'd say watch, watch only for the early Keanu. It's relatively short, and at this point, it's a time period piece. Like, it's actually kind of cool and funny to see the setting at the time. Yeah, I thought it was unique. Yeah, so those are the movies. This went on a little bit longer than usual, but that's okay. And we had to get deep on some of them. I have uh, one record to set straight and one other comment to make. On the last episode, I said a life hack was to watch Rick and Morty. 
but I said seasons one through three and fuck seasons four through five. I have to amend that. Fuck season four. There were a there were a couple stinkers in season five, but overall still pretty good. And then it finished really strong with another classic, really deeply thought provoking and like emotional mm-hmm. season finale. And season five was really good. So one and two are peak. Three and five are probably equal, and four still sucks. But um, watch yep. Rick and Morty. And the other thing is, uh, sort of tying us back to the movie Don't Look Up. I mean, really, at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm always searching for truth. And if I affect even one person by saying this, I'll consider that a good thing. I, I did something today that was, well, over the past two days, that was the best three hours spent out of my week. And that was uh, listening to Joe Rogan podcast, uh, episode 1757 with Dr. Robert Malone. He is incredibly smart guy, one of the most credible people. In terms of credibility, you don't really get any more credible. And I just think he had a lot of really important things to say. Check him, check out Dr. Robert Malone on Wikipedia to see his creds first. And if you agree that he looks credible, you might want to listen to what he has to say. Because I... Tara and I both listened for three straight hours mm-hmm. and it was uh, riveting. Articulate and intelligent. Articulate, intelligent, mystifying, but also not mystifying because I'm like, well, yeah, this, follow the money. So Remember when I said about having an open mind and also building yeah. critical thinking skills Yep. to observe facts around you? That's Yeah, follow the money. Yeah. <laughs> so um, anyways... Hope you guys enjoyed. Thanks for listening. Craftheadspodcast at gmail.com. Check out our Patreon if you want to support us, patreon.com slash craftheadspodcast. We have a few different support levels. Um, I change those tiers online to accurately reflect what our supporters get at this time. It changes over time, you know, because our whole project here is changing, but our community on Discord is active, and we'd love to have you if you want to join we have giveaways and things like that. Um, also swag. We just got some some stuff printed that I'm actually surprising everybody with here in the next couple of days. So uh, stay tuned for that. But um, if you're just listening or whatever, we would really appreciate it if you put in a five-star rating, whatever you're on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. Follow us. Whatever you can do to help for free would be very much appreciated if you listen and enjoy the show. Otherwise, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll uh, see you soon with Tommy back on the show. Thanks, Tara. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Seven.